Do we have anything to say about Strike Force? Uh, do you? I had, I didn't read it. Oh, then no, I'm I'm good. But is it worth reading? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was terrible. Oh my god, this must have installed an update. It's like little pop-ups on every little thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, mine had to improve my experience when I loaded it. Well, I had to upgrade my call recorder. That's why I was a couple minutes late. Uh-huh. That was why? That and the, and the, and the hookers. I, yeah, I shucking a little corn. Is that what you're doing, Paul? Yep. Uh-huh. I would have been I would have been on time if that was the reason. <laughs> <laughs> so my my topic actually talks about comics, so I don't know if you want to I, I feel like what Tim was saying is that my topic's actually relevant to what we're doing here today. No, it was it just led into comic discussion, like actual comic discussions. So I was like, well, The Funny Books with Aaron Polly, Tim and Wayne special Sunday edition. Morning, guys. I'm Aaron. <laughs> this is Paul. This is Wade. Wonder if he's in the right place. Because you this is Tim. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to burst into flames. I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> well, I figure, you know, we're all skipping more Sunday services to be here, you know, and, and record oh. our, uh, our, uh, our, our Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, Tim and Wayne. So, so, thought, so what's my reason for the rest of the weeks I don't go? <laughs> Yeah, what's my reason for the last 30 years? Yeah, okay, fair point, fair point. Well, confession will happen later. Uh, but uh, I, we are recording. <laughs> we'll order in. Uh, we are recording on Sunday because I uh, was traveling for work all week. And, you know, I had a miserable time of it while, uh, you know, out on the road this week. Because, you know, it's one of those kind of things where you're just in meetings all day long. And, uh, you know, you're eating a lot of uh, really bad, you know, uh, ordered in kind of food. And so one evening I had planned where I was going to go. In fact, I had planned there was my primary choice, secondary choice, tertiary choice. And so I hop in the car after my meetings are done. I drive and there is no place to park. And I was really excited about going to this place. It's called Cisco's. It's the place that put uh, Huevos Rancheros on the map. Supposed to have great tacos, great, great Mexican food. Couldn't find a place to park anywhere, like within blocks. And I'm like, all right, screw this. I'm going to fall back on my second choice. So I go over to this place called Angie's and, you know, plenty of parking. And the reason why there's plenty of parking is that their computers were down and they couldn't take orders. And so I hop back in the car and I'm going, oh, well, I'll go to my third choice, which was the Tamale House, which is closed on Wednesday evenings. I finally went, fuck it, <laughs> went back to my hotel room and ordered a pizza. It was a it was a, a really horrible evening in Austin that night. Was it a yummy pizza think. at least? The pizza was actually good. <laughs> I'm in Austin, <laughs> Texas, and ordered pizza from the Brooklyn Pie Company. <laughs> but yeah, the pizza was pretty good. Pizza will never let you down. I believe that's the moral of the story. <laughs> I was was so upset. 
<laughs> well, I'm sorry, Aaron, but at least in all your travels, perhaps you got some time to catch up on on some entertainment. I tell you, uh, I uh, number one, I, I read a ton of comics uh, because you know up late at night and you know idle hands. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. We don't I, need the end of that story. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I uh, got me some. I, I watched uh, the first season of Titans, DC's Titans, uh, oh. and I watched the entire thing. Burned through all eleven hours of that show, and uh, but Aaron, know, I, I thought you didn't have DC Universe. I do not have DC Universe, but I discovered that they are uh, streaming or selling uh, for streaming the first season of Titans and the first season of Doom Patrol on Amazon Prime. And the first season of Titans was like fourteen bucks. Damn! And I'm like, I'm like, I'll do that. And I got to tell you, Paul, I love that show. I told you it has <laughs> it is it is everything I like about super superhero television without any of the annoying CW teen angst stuff. Yeah. In fact, you would think that there would be a lot of teen angst in a show that's based on Teen Titans. Uh, but man, I just I thought it was super strong. I think the 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 most critical thing I could say about that show was that I didn't feel like it stuck the landing on the season finale. I felt like the season finale should have been the first episode of season two. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, without giving anything away, you know, that's spoilery, I just thought that was super strong television. I just don't understand how it can be good. The previews did not look good. I, I, Starfire I, I, looks like a streetwalker. Well, and she does. And, you know, she, to be perfectly honest, doesn't really walk away from that. You know, I mean, yeah. she does look like, uh, you know, she's, she's working the street. But with a thing that I found so surprising, because I went in prepared to hate Starfire and I loved her. I thought she was yeah. great. I went in prepared to be annoyed by Dick Grayson. Loved him. And I, I, I honestly, I feel like they nailed the Dick Grayson character. I agree. Uh, I, you know, he, uh, number one, he is a hound <laughs> and, and I, and I kind of think that's, that's integral to, to Dick Grayson and the, I, this might be a little spoilery, but Donna Troy shows up in the show mm-hmm. and just like you should with Donna Troy, you fall in love with her. Um, I, I, I don't like, uh, uh, changeling Garfield beast boy. I don't yeah. care for that character in the, in the comics much at all. Loved him in the show. It's a good show, and I, and will say, I will, you know, I, I I mirror your frustrations on the season finale. It, uh, but you know, it wasn't enough to ruin to ruin my enjoyment of the show. No, I mean, I, I was going, you know, you should have just left it with the with the previous episode. Yeah, you know, it should have been a ten episode season, not an eleven episode season. Or conversely, it could it should have been a twelve episode season because that was the original sure. plan. But they but they decided to end on a cliffhanger and wrap it up in the season premiere of a yeah. a season two. Yeah. And it's obvious. Like it, it, the eleventh episode, the season finale of of Titans season one doesn't really feel like a season finale. It feels like there's one more episode. Yeah, it <laughs> and does. There's... It feels like it's just oh, just somebody stopped in in mid show. Yeah, and it's a little frustrating because so, so it's almost all in somebody's head, right? Yeah. And you know that from the jump, and so that's frustrating as well, and not particularly satisfying. But overall, I thought it was super strong. It was so, it was so strong, in fact, you know, because uh, the Doom Patrol shows up mid season, and I enjoyed that enough to start watching Doom Patrol. And I hate the fucking Doom Patrol. 
that is a comic book that I have tried again and again to get into, and I've just never been able to get into it be- for a number of reasons, but primarily my strong dislike of Chief, right? Uh, you know, uh, Professor or Doctor Caldwell, and I, I while I hated Doctor Caldwell in uh, Titans, as I should, because he's a he is a despicable character. Uh, I, I I loved uh, Robot Man. I just yeah. loved Robot Man. And that was enough to bring me over into Doom Patrol. And I'm two episodes into Doom Patrol, and it's fucking fantastic. It is. Uh, Doom Patrol's actually better than Titans, I find. I would, I, I would have to agree. And I never thought I'd say that about Doom Patrol, that Doom Patrol was better than anything. And I love the show. And I think the, the reason why it works is that it is immensely self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I mean, it, it has a... a uh, uh, a narrator. Uh, the narrator. The narration is done by Alan Tudyke, and you know Alan Tudyke is. I mean, he's making uh, comments about the CW. He's making comments about superhero shows in general. I mean, it, it's almost a Deadpool type of of uh, narration. In fact, the the edginess of Doom Patrol doesn't feel like DC. You know, it doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like a, a DC superheroes type show. It feels like Deadpool. It feels like something Marvel would do. Yeah, I've I, heard I, it, Titans compared to uh, the Marvel Netflix shows like Daredevil. It's it is certainly dark, but let me tell you what it doesn't do. Uh, because almost every Marvel Netflix episode or uh, season has this middle point where you're like, "Come on, just get to the fucking story." Titans never does that. Titans is all story all the time. Yeah. Titans is always moving the ball forward. Always, there is no, there there was no fat on the bone where I felt like because I, I think it that uh, Marvel would have added four more episodes, right? And you would have you would have spent three of those episodes going, "Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I there was no fat on the bone with Titans. I, Titans was fantastic, and I I am enjoying Doom Patrol even more. I may have to call in sick tomorrow so I can watch the, the, the <laughs> remaining thirteen episodes. Yeah, and Swamp Thing is also really good, considering that, you know, it ended after one season. But that was not due to, you know, poor anything on the show's part. I still don't understand why they canceled that. No one seems to really admit to why. And they canceled Uh, it after one episode. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was a money thing. Clearly, I think it was a money thing or or someone quit or something. But honestly, it's it's I wouldn't say it's as good as Titans and Doom Patrol. Uh-huh. Um, but it is, you know, if you're a fan of shows like Supernatural and that kind of thing, or Sleepy Hollow, very similar vein, um, I enjoyed it. But Doom Patrol is a lot of fun. Uh, and Titans is, you know, they're both, they are all three R-rated shows. If, if anything, Swamp Thing is the least R-rated of all three of them. Well, in Doom Patrol, I mean, one of the things that, that I couldn't understand about Titans um was that you know it, it it is certainly rated for adults and I'm like you know there's no nudity in this there's no sex the the R rating is for language and for violence the Doom Patrol opens up with boobies yeah <laughs> I mean I mean they're just boobies all over the place and I'm like okay well at least I understand why this one is rated the way it is yeah I made the mistake of watching episode one of Doom Patrol at the gym because I'm like ah. <laughs> <laughs> how bad? It's, it's, it's you know robot man how bad can it be <laughs> so do you have popcorn with you when you're watching it at the gym and are you just you know sitting back no, you know, actually working no. out i just prop my phone on on the treadmill and and watch while i'm doing my thing uh, yeah hmm. huh, okay <laughs> but i you know so my dc universe subscription i, I just checked it because 
my subscription to Shudder, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, um, just renewed for the second year. And it, I, I did the annual because it's $48 for 12 months. So four bucks a month. Like, you know, it, 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 I don't have to worry about a monthly thing. Uh, so I just did – that's how I did Shudder. And that's how I did DC Universe. I was one of those early adopters that got the discounted rate. And yeah. and I think it was like a 16-month deal. And it expires – or it renews, I should say, in January 2020. Um, so I'm waiting to see what's announced, you know, it, as far yeah, as DC Universe. Yeah, because there should Universe. be a whole – avalanche of you guys renewing at the same time right yeah exactly and they haven't you know there was all these announcements on things that are coming like star girl and and all these new shows coming to dc universe but everything's been very quiet other than you know and and by then well, titans and and all those shows should have wrapped up their current right. season so i'm i'm, I'm very i suspect very- that the the announcement that's coming is that they're they're somehow going to bundle in the uh, DC Universe app into HBO Max. Probably, but I don't want HBO Max. Yeah, well, you're going to have to get that. Yeah, so sorry. I don't know. In the end, honestly, if I can't, because I have HBO Go through Amazon, as long as it's the same, or at least inclusive of everything that's in HBO Go, then yeah, I I guess. I think it is. Same, same. I just cancel that and switch over to HBO. Yeah, I, I think the difference between HBO Go and HBO Max is that HBO Max is going to have all of your Warner's content. Yeah. So you'll get like the Warner's back catalog of, you know, classic films and current films, that kind of thing. But I think the only way HBO Max can be competitive is to have sort of the same book of content that Disney's going to have. And the only way you do that is by bundling in your DC stuff. Yeah, no, fair point. So, Well, let's talk about a more a very specific streaming service, which I just mentioned, <laughs> um, Shudder, which is uh, – it is just – it's Netflix for horror. Uh, you yeah. know, and it is it, it is all horror all the time. Like I said, it was forty eight bucks for twelve months, so I went and I went for it because they have uh, a slew of original content, um, both in movies made specifically for the service, in television shows, um, in, in including Joe Bob Briggs. That's where he uh, exclusively does his thing, as well as international horror. You know, they they purchased the rights for a lot of international horror movies, uh, stuff that I used to love watching. But admittedly, the only way I could watch them back in the day was pirated copies. And, you know, the the pirate market is pretty much gone now. And I've certainly gotten over the pirate market. And they just don't release those, you know, Asian horror, European horror films over here as much as they used to. But now with things like Netflix and Shudder buying the rights – I can get some more of that international horror. And so that's why I subscribe to Shudder, and I quite like it. It's a bunch of good content. I saw a, a fantastic zombie film on it this week called One Cut of the Dead. Uh, that's It's a, a horror comedy that I highly recommend. But uh, comic book-related-ish is that they had the <laughs> season premiere of uh, Greg Nicotero's new creep show series. All week. new. Mm-hmm. All new content, you know, that it was a movie. It was never a TV show, but, you know, they're turning it into one kind of a, a modern day Tales from the Crypt. And so it it's it, it's funny because it's it is a streaming service, but it is a television length, like 47 minutes or something like that. Um, well, they're keeping their options open. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's yeah. two stories uh, that, the, you know, so they they lead off with with their introductory cast of Adrian Barbeau and Giancarlo Esposito and um, the guy from Saw, Tobin Bell, uh, yeah. in an episode. And I like all three of those actors, right? Mm-hmm. 
I like all three of those actors. Now, so when I when I saw that come up on the screen, I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be great. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> that that first episode was terrible. It was. It was absolutely terrible. And, you know, like I was watching it with Jen and she's like, so what's the monster? Why did he turn into a monster? What happened? I'm like, none of that's explained. <laughs> it, it's literally just like a monster pops up, kills a couple people, and then the story ends. Yeah. When the most horrifying scene in the in, in the in the episode is Adrian Barbeau working the adding machine to figure out what uh, you know how, what the ec- exponential math is on the monster's reproduction. And you know, you're just seeing the tape rolling out of the adding machine, and she's all freaked out. That's supposed to be the most horrific moment of, of, of the episode. And you're like, yeah, this was probably not your lead-off episode. No. That's, your, that's your mid-season <laughs> slump right there. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, Ooh. the second part of it, you know, like I said, there's two stories. The second part of it is called The House of the Head. And I got to tell you, Paul, I thought this episode was brilliant. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a great idea, uh, and I thought that it was it was exquisitely done. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting about the way that episode was shot is that you know a lot of the action takes place in the little girl's room with her dollhouse, and that room is the only room that is lit in a warm, friendly type of uh, of 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 lighting. Every other scene has is like every other scene in the in their house is dimly lit, gloomy. Uh, even the scene at the at the toy store is kind of creepy. But in the room where the horror is happening is brightly lit with warm colors. Yeah, and I thought that was such an interesting choice because it was this false sense of security in the room where terrible, terrible things are happening. And it's funny because there's this. This sense of impending doom yeah. that never actually happens, right? The only thing that's ever at risk are the dolls in her dollhouse, but uh-huh. you don't know why. Well, until well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't know why, but there, you know, the 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 concept of this episode is that this girl has this dollhouse, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful dollhouse, and you know she has created this you know little family inside of the Smith Smiths. And uh, they're a happy little family with, you know, a mom, a dad, a son, and a little dog. And, you know, she's she, she the camera is following, following her view from one room to the other. And, you know, so she sees, you know, mom and dad laying down, you know, uh, sleeping in bed, down to Ethan playing in his room, their son, to the dog, you know, at his water bowl in the kitchen. And then it goes into the family room. And there's a disembodied ghoulish head. And she's like, what What are you doing here? And then as she goes back and her eyes are moving through each room, the doll's actions have changed. And so, like, the dog is pointing towards the family room, upset that there's something there. You know, Ethan seems concerned. And, you know, all of this stuff is just happening. And, you know, the stakes keep rising and, you know, she decides that she, you know what I need? I need a doll priest or a doll rabbi <laughs> to go into the house. I mean, I was just cracking up uh, at, some, at how her mind was working. And then, well, we, we don't have a doll or a rabbi, but you know what we have? We've got an Indian chief. And let me tell you, those Native Americans are a very spiritual people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I, I, I thought I, I, I was amused by it. I, I thought that it was 
It was very entertaining. It was a little spooky, particularly, you know, there's one, the, 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 the element where the horror comes into the house, yeah. into, into the real house. I mean, I just, I thought it was, a, I, I thought it was just ingenious. It surprised me. It entertained me. It did. I, it did everything I felt like the first episode should have done, uh, and I thought that it was just a, a really successful episode. Yeah, genuinely enjoyed it, and I'm curious to see what yeah. the you know with these anthology shows. You know, it's going to be a mixed bag, but I'm looking forward. I'm going to see what you know what the next episode looks like. Uh, you know, yeah. it can't be as bad as the Twilight Zone on CBS. So right. Oof. Well, in other television slash, slash streaming news, it was announced this week that 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 Hulu Ghostwriter show that we were all looking forward to has been scrapped. So they will no longer yeah. be producing that. Uh, they're supposedly still doing the Hellstrom show, but the rumor is that um, Marvel Television production will move away from Jeff Loeb, uh, Ian uh, Ian Perlmutter. Perlmutter. Um, from that division and move over to Kevin Feige because of what's going on with Disney Plus. So once yeah. things like Agents of Shield wrap up and the Cloak and Dagger and, and stuff like that, I would imagine you know they'll just kind of put a kibosh on those things and move it over to the actual Marvel Studios led by Kevin Feige. But you know the big rumor now about uh, Kevin Feige is that he's going to be taking over leadership of the Star Wars films. Well, they said he would be uh, doing a Star Wars film, um, right? You know, but yeah, that's the rumor that he he'll be taking it over. Which you know, yeah, we'll see. It just seems like an awful lot of content to put under one guy. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of faith in one dude. Considering yeah. you know, he's kind of like the showrunner, but he didn't like write or direct any of those movies. Yeah. But, you know, he's responsible for ensuring the continuity between the shows. Fair point. Right. But, you so, know, he still let Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. happen. I'm just saying. And true. All but, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think we we have him to blame for that. I enjoy Agents he of should. S.H.I.E.L.D. It had some bad seasons, but I've enjoyed the last couple. Uh, as far as the Ghostwriter being canceled, a lot of the articles are talking about creative differences, which generally is bullshit and an excuse that's used. <laughs> I just think if they're going to cancel one of the two, canceling Ghost Rider that has more name recognition than Hellstrom just doesn't yeah. seem like a good idea. You know what I think the, the difference is? Hellstrom, they can turn into a sexy show that will bring in women like um, like Lucifer. Doesn't require a lot of bicycle stunts. Yeah, exactly. And it's a hell of a yeah. lot cheaper to produce than a firehead guy uh, in Ghost Very Rider. Very true. I've got to imagine that's why they made that choice. Yeah. Also, apparently, well, and, Kevin Feige wants to use Ghost Rider in a movie, so that that could be part of it too. Well, and I think that makes sense because I, I think if you're going to do Ghost Rider, right, you got to spend some money. Yeah, right. You know, you you got to you got to have some really cool motorcycle stunts. You've got to have, assuming that you're doing. It, <laughs> We've uh, never seen Ghost Rider produced correctly, so. Correct. Yeah, well, you, you got to not have Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the TV show wasn't going to have the motorcycle stunts because it was Reyes. It was going to be the car. Yeah, but what's the, yeah. did Reyes have the car or the motorcycle in Agents of Shield? I don't remember the car. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And just just to to go back to Doom Patrol because there is some race car stuff in that. Mm -hmm. I loved the race car scenes in Doom Patrol. I thought those were really well done. It is a surprisingly good show. Yeah, really well directed. Mini movies is what I would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if. I think that I would have made the same decision about Ghost Rider as I would have moved it. I would move it to a film where you can spend some real money on the effects. Yeah. Whereas Hellstrom seems a little bit more producible for the television mm -hmm. market. 
Well, and finally, the the last thing I want to talk about in, in television news is the Crisis on Infinite Earth news, which just keeps rolling and rolling out. We've already gotten confirmation and pictures of, of a couple of cameos, including Burt Ward. We don't have a picture of him yet, but we um, we do have uh, this week pictures of Brandon Routh as Kingdom mm-hmm. Come Superman, uh, a picture of um, Tom Welling and... The lady who plays Lois, whose name I don't remember. Erica Durance. Erica Durance, um, you know, on the the, the Kent farm. Um, so, and uh, also the announcement that uh, Helena Wayne, right? Is that her name? Yeah. From yeah. Birds of Prey yeah. will, will be yeah. making an appearance. Super excited. Yeah, about so that. many deep cuts for this. I'm, yeah. I just keep getting more and more excited for the crossover as they I just, announce yeah, it. They, They've got so many people in it. I mean, they're going to have a line. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> I six episodes worth of content, right? Five or six episodes worth of content because it crosses over into yeah. every CW um, DC show. So and, well, you know what's going to piss us off? It's the first half of it is in December. The second half is in January. Mm-hmm. They're going to cliffhanger us. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, they're going over the holidays. Yeah. absolutely. But uh, the the one thing that that I wanted to mention specifically is that Michael Rosenbaum went on you know social media this week, and he's like, "All my fans are asking, you know, if I got asked, and and here's the the truth of it, and I'm sure you can understand. They called me with an offer, um, but." You know, it was low money and, you know, there was no script. So you you understand that I had to say no. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck have you done outside of Smallville that you need that you can be that picky? Uh, He voices the Flash and the Justice League animated stuff. Okay, so nothing. Just I mean, mean, I'm looking at his 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 filmography. He hasn't done Uh, anything in in two years other than voices. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it seems silly that he turned down this gig. Yeah, I mean, it, even because if it's a cameo, and, and reason, like just show up, look ominous, and that's it. That's all they need you for. When your career is largely shaping up to be convention appearances, you do everything fan as you possibly can. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that was a mistake on his part. I agree, and I think I think he'll come to regret that. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I mean, especially you know, everyone is very excited about Tom Welling and Erica Durance uh, oh, you know, yeah. on the show, like. It, it it would have been nothing. It would have been a very small part. It's not like they were, you know, gonna have him for a month at a time. There was probably just like a day's worth of work that he turned down. Yeah. Do you guys feel like this whole thing is going to be like a splash page? You know, I do. so like you're gonna see these people for three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they're gonna <laughs> pop from uh, from universe to universe somehow. And uh, but you know, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm genuinely excited about the crossover. I'm yeah. I'm actually probably going to watch Arrow this season since it's it is the last it's season. The last it's season. only like ten episodes, yeah. right? And it appears that it's going to. I watched the trailer this week. It, it kind of seems like it's going to. Uh, maybe it's just my understanding of the trailer or misunderstanding of the trailer. It kind of seems like Oliver is revisiting moments in time to to change the past. Uh, because they show his mom, they show Tommy, they show scenes that kind of pl- are previous scenes from previous se- seasons. And I'm wondering if, you know, this is like kind of Oliver going through the past and, and making alterations and maybe that's what leads to the crisis. I don't know. But I'm going to check it out. Yeah, and no, I, I think it'll be worth watching. So so we should probably talk about some comics, don't you think? Uh, God, I suppose. <laughs> Half hour into the show. <laughs> 
So, Aaron, you said you got caught up on some comics this week. I got caught up on some Freedom Force. And, you know, I don't know if our listeners will recall, but, you know, we uh, we talked about Freedom Force when it first started. Or Freedom Fighters, I'm sorry. Uh, a book I enjoyed so much I can't remember the name of the book. Um, Freedom Fighters is fantastic. And for some reason, it's, it's, it's kind of like the best book I'm not reading because I keep missing it uh, each month when it comes out. And then when I remember that, it, that oh, yeah, why am I not reading Freedom Fighters? And I go back and, you know, DC is not real good about dropping the price of their books a couple of months after they come out. So I don't want to go out and spend the four bucks on each book. But DC had a recent hits sale. So they dropped the price on all the previous issues of Freedom Fighters. So I picked them all up for like 85 cents a piece. Um, and I got caught up this week, and it's just so damn good. Um, it is every bit what you want it to be in terms of you know telling the story of a modern resistance uh, uh, group of superheroes. You know, working under the radar, fighting against the big bad. And, you know, I, I love how they handle Overman in this book. Uh, it's just super good. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe it's the best book that nobody's reading because I don't feel like anybody else is reading this book either. I'm not. So, big thumbs up. I did up. read the first few the, issues. The, I just haven't stuck with it. Yeah, and I, but it wasn't for quality, right? No, no. It, it just, like you said, yeah. it's nothing. It's, we don't talk about it, you know. And I don't feel like it gets any press. And, you know, and I, I, that's part of the reason I forget about it. I get overwhelmed with, you know, all the other stuff that comes out every week and it's just easy to miss. And and there's no Superman or Batman on the cover and so you don't you don't catch it. No, it's it's a criminal really that, you know, the, the book is so good, so well written, so dr- well drawn, so well paced uh and has real stakes in it. You know, and I think part of that is is that I think it's a it's a maxi series. It's like uh, 12 issues long. And so they can have a beginning, middle and end. Uh, it's just Awfully darn good. Yeah, Aaron, the book like that for me is Invaders. I forget it. Yeah. I buy them in chunks to try to catch up, and it just slips through the cracks. And Invaders is also really well written, really well drawn, exquisitely paced. And gets uh, no yeah, so press. Yeah, and gets no press. Yeah, completely agree. I did not realize, and it was only until this recent issue that I, that I read, that Freedom Fighters ties into the multiversity story that Grant Morrison did. Uh, I was completely unaware of that, that, that apparently there's some Freedom Fighters action in uh, the multiversity story. I've never read any of this. I did not either. I think I own it. I just <laughs> have never read it. You know, I picked it up in one of those you know really nice uh, DC comic sales on Comicsology, and it's just sitting in my my bank of over seven hundred comics on my uh, iPad right now. <laughs> well, so yeah, Freedom Fighters, big thumbs up. I will get caught up at some point, I'm sure. You know who else got caught up? Who? Not me. Oh. So, <laughs> so uh, I uh, I still have the looming specter that is my pull box at the at the comic store. <laughs> And I had full intention of, of making more than a dent in it this week. But I just I, I just went in there and I wanted to I, I went through the shelves and I wanted to try some new things and so I I ended up getting one comic out of the pull box, which, you know, it's a deck chair off the off the Titanic at this point. But I, I tried a couple a couple different uh, books, real quick hitters, because these are uh, I'm behind. So these are ones that are 
that didn't come out this week. Uh, the first one I tried was uh, Knights Temporal 1 by Colin Bunn. Um, real quick, this was a kind of uh, Stranger in a Strange Land kind of tale. And I don't know if you guys talked about this one on the podcast or not, but um, I, for some reason it just didn't hit with me. I think part of it had to do with the art. The art style was a little little wonky for me. Um, but the one the one that I really wanted to talk about, and this was kind of a recommendation from Wayne. Uh, I read uh, Die from Kieran Gillen. I read the first two issues of it, uh, second printing, and I, I can't. It's, it's one of those things where it's like you don't realize how much you miss something until you see it again. I miss Kieran Gillen's writing because this is very much Journey into Mysteries Kieran Gillen writing, and it's so goddamn good. Yeah, I am still picking that book up regularly, and I enjoy it quite a bit. So, uh, and Wayne, have you talked about this one on there? Not since the first issue. Okay, yeah. So, just to recap, this one is uh, a, a group of kids in 1991 get sucked into 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 this this fantasy realm, and uh, they escape. And then 25 years later, they have to come back into it. Um, and it's just it's it's got all the fantasy elements I I, I like out of out of out of a good Karen Gillan story, it's got the horror aspect of our lives are are back there and they're just gone now. It's just it's just a tremendous book. I, the art for it works really well and the characters are compelling. And uh, damn, if this isn't the best book I've read in quite some time. So Karen Gillan's an excellent writer. You know, I, I he writes Once in Future from Boom Studios, which. Love, love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. You know, there's a book that I picked up a couple weeks ago, and I haven't read yet, but I'm committing to read it by next week so I can provide an update because everyone says it's good. It's not a Kieran Gillen thing, though. It's um, James Tynion IV, who was announced as the new writer on Batman uh, this week. It's called Something is Killing the Children. It's from Boom Studios. I almost picked that up because it looked really interesting. I have seen nothing but positive comments on it online so i'll give it a read and we'll talk about it next week yeah i have to say when tim said he was uh planning on making a dent in his box i was thinking that meant pulling issues out and putting them in other people's backs <laughs> but I, I, might, I might have done that again <laughs> that that guy when he comes back from his deployment he's gonna be like what is all this <laughs> i won't care <laughs> so i picked up a, a book that I normally don't pick up. Um, so, you know, I've been reading this absolute carnage storyline this week and, and, you know, kind of inspired by the Spider-Man news this week that Spider-Man is not leaving the MCU, that Disney and Sony have worked out a deal to, to do two more movies, one more regular Spider-Man solo movie and one Spider-Man appearance in an MCU movie. Uh, I picked up Amazing Spider-Man this week, Amazing Spider-Man issue 30, which I haven't read an Amazing Spider-Man, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley's Amazing Spider-Man, in since probably issue four. <laughs> um, I guess it's a bi-weekly book because I it doesn't yeah. seem like it's been around long enough to have thirty issues. Yeah, it can, it's a bi-weekly book. Uh, I've been reading it since their run started and loving it. So I picked it up this week, um, mostly because I like Ryan Otley's art and I wanted to see how he draws Carnage. And you know, there, there's this interesting character um kindred 
in the book. Yep. I don't know if they've already revealed who that character is, but they I, haven't. There's there is more about that character in this issue than we've seen so far. I'm pretty I mean, some of the it's Liz Osborne. Isn't she still alive? Because yeah. Kindred's backstory, Kindred is somebody who died, went oh. to hell, built themselves up as a demon, and came back out of hell, oh. and is the one that sent uh, Mysterio back up. Oh, okay. Well, then that I don't know. Liz uh, Osborne would have been a great one if if she yeah. was dead. Someone same with Harry related to Norman. Yeah, I thought it would Harry would be perfect, except he's not dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll find out because it's, it's definitely someone related to, to Norman Osborn. In some my way. theory is that it's going to be uh, Peter Parker in Doc Ock's body. Oh, interesting. But it's it's a big mystery on who the character is. He knows so much about Peter, about Peter's life. And this was the first time we found out that connection with Osborn and bringing Gwen Stacy into it in flashbacks and all. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned the art, Paul. That last page of the Carnage symbiote uh, and the head splitting apart to see Norman there. Yeah. I love that panel. This book was great. Actually, I really liked this issue. Um, you know, the art was fantastic. I liked the writing. It, it very much, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not reading the book, but this is this is the type of Spider-Man I like. You know, it's, it's very classic Spider-Man. You know, I, I drop out of Spider-Man period regularly because... It's one of those things that it frustrates the shit out of me because every time a new Spider-Man number one pops up, it's always basically let's go back to status quo with Peter Parker as not married, as a loser, as a he can't make money, he can't make ends meet, responsibility, blah, 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 blah. And I get tired of seeing that the regression of that character every few years because they have to undo any progression that the previous writer made. And that just it, frustrates me. It was interesting in this run, they've done they have done a lot of that where basically they're undoing a lot of what slot had done, but they're moving towards some of the previous stuff. So like last issue before this one, he was going to propose to Mary Jane again. And he basically, he misses it because he's doing Spider-Man stuff when she gets on the plane to go film a movie that is tied in with the whole kindred thing because the movie was written as being directed by an alternate identity of Mysterio. Oh, but you know, like that stuff frustrates me. (laughs) Uh, you know, like at some point, like just resolve this one more day thing or I don't know. Like I, that it's for me, it's been an issue kind of since then, you know, the, 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 the ongoing progression, regression of the character. I did like this issue. Um, you know, I, I, I have picked up a couple of the Spider-Man or this run of Spider-Man, like on sales and stuff. And I, I'll probably get caught up. And it's primarily because of the artists like Ryan Otley, I think, um, trades duties with Umberto Ramos. And now uh, who moved over there? Is it um, Pat Gleason is going to be doing some art for Amazing Spider-Man. So they have a yeah. fantastic art team. I like Gleason. I love Otley's art, and I try to ignore when <laughs> You Ramos love you some Umberto Ramos. He's your favorite. Hashtag favorite. Yeah, no, I'm glad you enjoyed this one, Paul, because I said I really am enjoying the Kindred storyline, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for the big give on who it is. And I thought this was – it was a great tie-in with the Absolute Carnage storyline, but also continued to move forward the plot of Kindred. Yeah, you know, I normally don't pick up tie-ins, but I'm glad I picked this one up. Well, 
Aaron, one book we missed talking about last week, but we said we'd read together. We, we went into the suicide pack together. Uh-huh. Was yeah. Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda by Jim Zub, Lon Medina, and Marcio Menes, who I guess is the colorist. Um, uh-huh. So this is Black Panther's covert operative team. On the cover, you get Okoye, Black Panther, the Wasp, Gorilla Man, and Kazar. Only half of those characters appear in this actual issue. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron, was was Gorilla Man one of the half that appears? Uh, he, uh, he, I mean, I should say all the characters appear in the book, but only half of the characters are actually part of the main storyline. So right. it's Black Panther, but he has like this widespread agency. And so some it, it's basically like you it's like Justice League Unlimited. Gorilla Man's off here. Kazar's off here. And, and then, you know, there's a, 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 a crew in this book that's together and half of them aren't even on the cover. Um, of the the crew that's actually together in this book because you get um, one of the immortal weapons and I, I don't remember the character's name. Um, oh, the the big fat fellow. cobra. Um, yeah, that fat cobra yeah. is is one of the characters featured in this book and I like fat cobra. Uh, you know, I do too. I do but too. I'm, Aaron, I, I want to know what you thought of this book. I feel like there's a good book trying to get out in this book. Um, I like the idea of the book. I did not care for this book. <laughs> uh, but I like the idea enough that I'm going to tune in for, for the second issue because I just – I feel like this just didn't launch well. Um, you know, it starts off with, you know, a car chase with the Wasp and uh, Man-Wolf working together. Man-Wolf? Uh, Is that right? Yeah, Man-Wolf. Um, and I've always liked Man-Wolf. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I did not care for how – any of the characters are really managed in the book. And it just felt weird having Black Panther being the mission giver and then also going on the mission. Yeah. You know, I really kind of felt like Black Panther should should have been, you know, you know, sitting in his in his, you know, Wakandan control center and sending out these forces as opposed to being front and center. But I guess when you've got a gigantic Marvel movie behind you, you always put Black Panther in. Um, this felt like sort of a, you know, Justice League task force kind of book. Uh, and I really feel like it's, it's branded wrong. You know, it's called, uh, Black Panther Agents of Wakanda, where it really feels like an Avengers task force sort of book. Yeah, very much Um, so. And, and I like, I mean, here's the thing is I like all the characters that are in it. I mean, there's not a single one of these characters that I was like, oh, I wish they hadn't been here other than Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and it just and it's because you know they're kind of telling the story that these guys don't work well together yet that it's a new team, and when you've got somebody as hyper competent as Black Panther, it really feels like he shouldn't be in the room because you would expect somebody who is that competent as Black Panther to be able to pull these guys together, and I would really rather see these guys get it together on their own without Black yeah. Panther. I, I mean, I, admittedly, I like every character in this book, and every time I turned a page and they introduced another character, I was like, oh, I love that character, like Man Wolf, like yeah. Kazar, like Roz Solomon from. Jason Aaron's Thor yeah. run, like Agent Strongbow, like Brew is one of the agents of Wakanda. Um, yeah. You know, that's a, another Jason Aaron character from Wolverine and the X-Men. And I love Brew. Um, but, you know, they I think what's missing from this book is there's an aspect of fun that Jim Zub is normally known for. And there's a little yeah. bit of it that creeps in with Fat Cobra. But in general, 
Yeah. Like this book needs to be more fun uh, for, yeah. for the cast they have, which is kind of this motley crew of characters. It almost takes itself mm-hmm. too seriously. Yeah. But I, I'm going to pick well, up. Issue and I think two. part of that's part of that's Black Panther, yeah. right? I mean, I really feel like if you've got Okoye and Black Panther, you don't need one of them. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, when you've got two black characters, you get rid of one of the black characters. What I'm saying is they're both so competent. Well, and they bring and the same the characterization, and, you know, and, and knowledge base to the team, right? So it, it is redundant to have both of them. Yeah, I just feel like you have one or the other. And really, I'd just re- really rather it was Okoye. I agree. You know, trying to pull this team together because she really falls into the background with Black Panther on the page. And I, I really much more in terms of this story, I'm much more interested in her. Than it's kind of like Detective Comics by James Tynion, right? That that uh-huh. Batman let Batwoman take charge of the team so that he could step back and, and focus on, on other things. It, 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 yeah. it kind of feels like that, except that Black Panther isn't letting Okoye take charge of the team. And maybe he will at some point, but kind of doubtful considering the book is called Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. (laughs) Yeah, I think it. I you know, and I understand for branding purposes, you call it you you have Black Panther in there so that when people are looking for Black Panther, they find us, right? But I would call it instead of calling it Black Panther and because I think that's the title, right? Black Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. I would call it Black Panthers possessive. Agents of yeah, Wakanda. I'd still buy it. So that Black Panther can appear as Charlie, <laughs> you know, Charlie's Angels, and, you know, give the mission, and then those guys go. And then chastise them when they fuck up the mission. Yeah. That's why, that's, that is, I, I think, how I would prefer my Black Panther in this book. Because if you've got Black Panther and Okoye on the mission, why is that mission going to fail? Yeah. You know? But, I, I, I again, I feel like there's a good book here. I'm going to give it another I am, too. I'm going to give it an issue, too. And uh, speaking of issue twos, going to the Distinguished Competition, a book we all read this week, Batman Superman number two, featuring the Shazam Who Laughs, um, from Joshua Williamson and David Marquez. We haven't heard from uh, from Tim in a little while. Tim, what would you think of this book? Um, I, the things I, uh, there's definitely a lot to like in this book, I believe, um, uh, one of the things that just stuck out to me, I don't know if it stuck out to you guys, the, the, uh, first of all, the Batman Who Laughs is a stupid name. I've already had it with that name. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, his, his nth metal batarangs look badass. <laughs> they just do. And they're, they've got little symbols on them. Like he's leaving little clues as to who he's about to shiv with these things. There's just, uh, I, I love that visual of him showing the batarangs and going, well, this is who they're designing them for. Like, no shit. <laughs> yeah, the only thing about the art I don't like is the faces of uh, Batman and Superman in some Too similar? Look exactly alike. Yeah. yeah. I had that issue, too. That when they're standing side by side, it's like, huh, you didn't want to try to give them a different... <laughs> To give some variation other than – because even though Superman has the S-curl, Batman kind of has a cowlick too in the same spot. And it's like, come on. Yeah, no. Uh, but I I don't know if giving the, the – I'm just going to say Joker serum because I don't understand. I don't know if giving Shazam the Joker serum would make him that much smarter. I, I guess – and I, I don't mean to say that Shazam is a dumb character. But he's he's young, 
And the way they portray uh, Shazam Who Laughs, which is also a stupid name, um, he's a lot more, a lot more uh, cunning. I guess is the word I'd say, and that didn't necessarily ring true to me. I took it as he is following the Batman Who Laughs again, a stupid name. He's following his plan. Yeah, maybe, but that just it. it I don't know. I I expected a lot more uh, Harley Quinn insanity levels, kind of yeah, with a little bit of a little bit of mirth, and it, that wasn't what we had here. Which is okay because it was still a, it was still a cool fight. You know, I, I I enjoyed the fight scene between the three. My favorite moment of the entire book, though, is uh, back at the fortress, where after Bruce has been healing for a little bit, and he starts to basically he starts in on how you know Superman should have stopped Shazam instead of saving him. And one of those rare moments of you see Superman actually stand up for himself against Batman. And uh, I, uh, I had a real problem with part of that scene, though, because Batman comes out of the regeneration chamber and just wails on Kellex. Yeah. And breaks him, you know, breaks, Ke- destroys Kellex, you know, that that that, you know, uh, robot. And it doesn't seem to have a problem with the fact that that he hurt something. And I understand Kellex is a robot, but Kellex is also sentient. And the fact that Superman is not more irritated about that, you know, he's just like, oh, I don't break your things. But, you know, Kellex, Kellex is an artificial intelligence and is self-aware. And that bugs the shit out of me. I like that he that, at least but, mentions it, though, that Superman mentions it. And I think that is also building up to his finally snapping at Batman and just saying, you know, he beat us both. Both of us save your lecture. I love that yeah. scene. I was cheering for Superman in that scene. I agree. It just really bugged me that uh, that he is not, that that Batman is not more chastised than he was. Because as readers, we know that Kellex, who Kellex is, we know that Kellex, you know, though a a servant, but he is you know, and a robot, but he is really sort of Batman's Alfred. In a number of ways, not in every way, but in a number of ways, he is he is Superman's Alfred, and it I it just really bothered me to see Kellex used that way. Yeah, you know, I had a problem with that entire scene, honestly. Uh, not not the part where Superman stands up for himself because I didn't like that, but the, the fact that Batman like smashed his way out of the thing. It's like, dude, you know where you are. Like, right. you don't need to bust things up. Like, it, like that. And, and I get it. He's angry, and they wanted to portray that, but it was this artificial drama. You know, to to sell a cool piece of art that didn't necessarily work in the context of the scene. Like, if he didn't know where he was, like if it was a brand new Fortress of Solitude or something that he didn't recognize, right. that'd be a little different. But he wakes up and he's clearly in the Fortress of Solitude, and he he knows Kellex because they hang out, like they go to the movies together and stuff. You know, like <laughs> the the fact that he just like starts breaking shit. It's like, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I know they acknowledged it, yeah. but it it just felt artificially. Dramatic. Um, yeah, it, it, it seemed silly. It seemed out of character for Batman, particularly when it wasn't that Batman was out of sorts, right? He wasn't. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what Kellex was. He knew exactly what he was doing, and I think that's what makes it all the more reprehensible. And I really think that that Superman should have held him more to task beyond the "Hey, I don't go break your things." 
You know, I I think the, the appropriate comment would have been, "Hey, I don't come punch the shit out of Alfred when I'm in your back." Yeah, maybe have, he will. You know, <laughs> maybe he will now. <laughs> Poor Alfred. Maybe that's how Alfred dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Superman is great with the dialogue throughout this book. Batman is questionable in multiple times. I like that Superman just knows where Batman's keeping the Batman who laughs and his comment about how you forget I'm an investigative journalist. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, there's a lot to like about this book. That was just the thing that really bothered and the art. Other than the fact that as much as I love the art without their, the masks was like, you know, like Tim said, the, you know, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne are too similar. Um, yeah. And most if, if strong artists, find a way to differentiate between them uh, because a lot of artists fall into that trap. Uh, I, I think um, Clay Mann is one artist who, who has figured out how to differentiate the two, uh, but David Marquez hasn't gotten there yet. You know, and I can even understand in distance shots, but they do close-ups. like that whole scene we were just talking about. They do close-ups on the page yeah. on the faces and they are so similar same jawline, same everything, you know, it's, yeah, it, I, I, it, that is my one qualm with the book, but I did enjoy the story and I'm going to be picking up Batman Superman three. So, you know, it didn't get me, it didn't bug me that much. Yeah. Well, last book this week is, is a hefty one. Uh, Harleen number one uh, from DC's black label. Uh, this is a mature readers take written and drawn by Stepan Sayich. Uh, you know, we, 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 we have loved on Stepan. In the past, and his work on Witchblade, uh, Aquaman, um, Artifacts from Top Cow. Uh, great artist. Uh, I haven't really read anything that he's written, I think, before. Uh, so this is it's a it's a three issue miniseries, uh, kind of done in that oversized prestige format. If you pick it up in paper or in, in print, I should say. Uh, but Wayne and I read it. And Wayne, I've got to imagine earlier this week, you referenced one of your favorite books in years or something like that. And I've got to imagine yes. you were referring to this thing. I definitely was. This isn't just my book of the week. This is my book of the year. Snap. I absolutely fell in love with this book. The writing is incredible. It gets inside of you know Dr. Quinzel's head. Because this, while being the Harley Quinn origin... She doesn't actually have a conversation with Joker until the last couple pages. Mm -hmm. This is her as she is building up her thesis. She's building up by uh, her career. And you really get into her head, but it's just so well written. She's such a believable character throughout. And then she sees Joker for the first time and has the normal reaction to that. Nightmares. I mean, it is a complete – I don't want to say it's a completely different take on Harley than we've seen. It's just this real expanding the little – you know, you get it on a panel or two here and there, and this is expanding it to a whole issue. Uh, and you, you know what a big Harley fan I am and what a big Joker fan I am, and this is just a love letter to both characters. So I enjoyed it. I did not enjoy it to the level you did. And I think part of it is, at least for me, um, it's not it's done. There's nothing bad in the book. I actually, like I said, I enjoyed it. The art is really well done. Uh, the the introspection on the characters are very well done. And I, I would say um, 
just a warning because yes, it's a black label book, but I was still surprised that there's there's f words in the book. Um, you know, which what I mean, but you you know, here's the thing. I even in a mature reader's take on a Batman story, you don't often see like you don't they don't drop the f bomb in freaking um, Dark Knight Returns. Like you know, it, it's like they 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 have wordy dirts in this book. <laughs> wordy dirts. Wordy dirts. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was offended. I was just surprised because it's not something you often see. Yeah. What surprised me artwork wise was I'm not sure how I feel about the Joker design. He yeah. looks so young. I think that's the point. Right. And, it, you know, I guess in theory, it's supposed to be when he is young and and when she's young. So yeah. one of the biggest surprises for me character wise, though, was Harvey Dent. Yeah, actually, it makes sense time frame wise for him to be there. I love Doctor, you know, Quinzel and Harley, or Doctor Quinzel and uh, Harvey having a conversation, and you see just this fractures of both of them in that conversation. You know, like foreshadowing what what's to come. Yeah, you know. Here's where my issue with the book comes in, and, and please understand, I did I did care for the book, and I'm I'm actually going to pick up the entire series. My issue with the book is that I've read the story before, right? And uh, and yes, that happens a lot. You know, we get retakes on origins and things like that. But I, I, I this is essentially taking the story from uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Timm's Matt Love and expanding it out to three oversized issues, and it was so perfectly done then. And it, it got the point across so well in the span of one book that when I see the same story stretched out over three issues, I'm like, oh, God, get to the point already. Yeah, um, I see. And that's I'm my the, only issue with it. I'm the opposite. I've seen the story, but I've never seen it done this well before. Uh, I love Mad Love. I think it's great. But I think this is a much better telling of the story. And uh, that's I don't mind seeing kind of the repeats of some of the things because it is there's a lot new here and there's a lot nuanced here. Uh, I said definitely my book of the year being a huge Harley and Joker fan. And one of the things I loved, I always love the Joker as the unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. I love that she's sitting there watching the videotape of all of the times he's telling the psychiatrist his origins and that none of these psychiatrists seem to get it. But she does like she's watching it and she realizes this isn't the real Joker. This is Joker playing the role and having fun with the psychiatrists. Yeah. That this is the this is a game for him. Yeah. So I mean it, it is well told and the art's worth it. Um if you if you're if you're a fan of Harley, we probably don't need to tell you to pick it up, but it's worth checking out. You know, Aaron, I feel like there's a failing here that we sent Paul and Wayne to read a mature book. <laughs> well that, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that you know, we really need to learn from this, <laughs> and, uh, and and you know, sort of reset the. I think we have some takeaways next time. We do, we do. I, I, I maybe some work groups are going to form out oh, of this. Yeah, work groups. Uh, yeah. Expect a conference oh, now or two. Now, if it were a yeah. mature yeah. book with boobies, that we are the right people. So. <laughs> the fact that it's boobies <laughs> <laughs> and wordy nerds, yeah, <laughs> wordy nerds. <laughs> hey, yes. Paul. What's coming out next? Well, week? next week we got a, a couple of big things coming out, including House of X issue six, the conclusion of the House of X uh, miniseries. Obviously, Powers of X number six would come out the following week. 
Also from Marvel Comics, we have the new Ghost Rider series starting uh, from Ed Brisson and Aaron Cooter. Um, that features Johnny Blaze as you know returning as the the Ghost Rider. Uh, also from Marvel, we have the conclusion of Jim Starlin's Thanos saga <laughs> in uh, Thanos: The Infinity Ending. Now we've heard this before, so. You know, we'll see if he comes back, but I guess they, they finally convinced Jim Starlin, def- despite the fact that he's always pissed off, to do one more Thanos book, and this is the Infinity Ending. <laughs> I'll never work for Marvel again! Ooh, a paycheck. And then, yeah. And then, and then he works yeah. for Marvel again. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Superman Up in the Sky, Issue 4, Lois Lane, Issue 4, Legion of Superheroes, Millennium, Number 2. We haven't talked about Issue 1 yet, so I'm, I'm assuming we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we, we we were on an off week, so we decided to hold the discussion of both of those books uh, for next week. As well as Deceased, Issue 5, the penultimate issue of that series. Oh, Deceased. Is so yes. Good. Have you seen the uh, the uh, variant cover with uh, Wonder Woman on it, with the ghoulish woman? Yeah, it's, it's such a good it's series. Super hot. Yeah, it's a good series. Well, you know, uh, clearly... We talked about a variety of books today, as well as uh, some various television shows. We'd love to hear what you think, so give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And of course, if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of badness. You can also hit us up on social media on Instagram, IOMGeek, Facebook, IOMGeek, or Twitter, at Ideology Madness. All right, guys. Well, we will chat with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed this very special Sunday recording of Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. Amen. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) We're out. (laughs) Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 